it's time to go through teams eight through six on our prospect pool breakdown. We're getting closer and closer to number one. We've got the, uh, the, the Canes, the Coyotes, and the Canadians. A trio of C's. Say that very quickly three times. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. Uh, that's during the season, though, during the offseason, during the summertime, taking advantage of it and doing three times a week. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. We'll be breaking down teams eight through six on today's episode uh, for the prospect pool breakdown um, so we're going to go through the Carolina Hurricanes, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Montreal Canadiens in today's episode, back-to-back. We had a very, very tough time separating between these three teams and ranking them from 8-6. to six. So this is the tightest uh, trio of teams that we've had so far. Before I get into any of that, though, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a, start, a review with your uh, just general ideas of how you feel about the podcast, all of that. Um, just let us know. So we'll start with the Carolina Hurricanes. And Sebastian, this is probably my favorite team to watch draft every year because it feels like every pick is just them cooking, right? I mean... They're a contender, and they're at number eight on our pool, and it's for a very good reason. It's not like they've been stockpiling high draft picks or anything like that. They're just really damn good at drafting. They really are, and I was standing pretty close to their draft table at the draft this year, and every single time they had a player go up to their table, like every scout got up and was like, like the giddiness on their faces was just so clear with every draft, draft pick that came by to come visit them and say hello. Yep. which is always nice to see. Uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, familiar faces in there that I think I also would have drafted, so even better. Uh, but yep. yeah, there, there are a couple players in there that that I think we're both big fans of, and there's a pretty clear top three players in this pool, isn't there, Hattie, with Jaden Perron, Bradley Nadeau, and Alex Nikishin. Yeah, and in no particular order, because I'm a huge fan of all three of them, and so are you, and it, it would just take a lot of time and effort to do something that isn't really necessary when it comes to a prospect pool in terms of ranking them as their top three they're just three very very good players um i don't think there's anyone in the hurricanes pool who i could say is a definite likelihood of becoming a top pair defender or a top top line forward or a top goaltender um those three though are the ones who i think have a shot it's not a very likely shot, but it's a possibility. Bradley Nadeau is one of the best goal scorers out of the 2023 NHL draft. They picked him up with their late first. He could potentially become a first-line sniper. Is it likely? I don't think so. I think he's, he tops out mainly as a second-line kind of sniper uh, with power play opportunities and, and responsibilities, but that's still very, very good to have in your pool. Then you've got Alexander Nikishin, who's kind of come out of nowhere. Um, he's a, a 2001-born defenseman out of Russia, and He's looked extremely good uh, in my viewings of him. I see him more as kind of a second pair lock at this point, um, but he's putting up ridiculous numbers in the KHL for a defenseman. We're talking 
above 40 points in 50 games. Uh, so, you know, near a point per game as a KHL defender at his age is just ridiculous. And another pickup by the uh, Carolina Hurricanes that's looking very, very good for them. Um, well, yeah, I, I think you have more of a positive and, and optimistic outlook on his potential than I do. Um, so, so talk me through it for a bit. Yeah, Nikishin's fun. He he activates quite liberally in the offensive zone, uh, yeah. sometimes to a fault. Like he's he still his his risk assessment gauge can still use a bit more refining in terms of deciding exactly when to take a risk and when to pinch up, when to activate. Yeah. But the fact that he's he he's gone from a player who I didn't see that too too much of him a couple seasons ago to now it being a key component of the way he plays the game is yeah. really really exciting and very fun. Uh, with the puck on his stick, he may not be the most dynamic or dazzling player, but he's very effective. He uses yep. his reach well. He's a strong skater. He manages his gaps on the puck very nicely. And all, all around, he creates opportunities and he creates space for his teammates. Yeah. So I, I think he's, he's quite a refined uh, defenseman in terms of his offensive zone play, though his risk ass assessment needs a little bit of work. And yeah. in his own zone, he also uses his mobility to as a real big facet in how he defends, along with yeah. his reach. He, he has a very active stick. He's constantly blocking lanes. He's changing which lanes he is blocking. He's trying to... Uh, anticipate what forwards are going to do and he's quite proactive in trying to stop that sometimes yeah. he gets burned and it looks really bad because he did not anticipate it correctly but he's always trying to be to be proactive and to me that is a real positive in a defensive prospect absolutely i love to see defensemen we try to stay ahead of the play mentally and that's definitely nikishan and as you mentioned the name of the game for nikishan is really efficiency and that's what's really going to separate him from the pack at the next level and make him for me probably one of the best second pair defensemen that you can find, um, especially at his age. Um, I feel like he could step into the NHL and do a decent job, but um, we do have Jaden Perron to talk about. Uh, we're both very, very big fans of his. Um, we both had him in our top 15 um, uh, heading into the 2023 NHL draft. And I, my opinion hasn't changed one bit. I'm still a massive, massive fan of the combination of intelligence, uh, stick handling, especially, but also the dual threat of offense, uh, of offensive goal scoring and playmaking, it's really solid um, in terms of the overall toolkit. His ability to know what move to pull out at what moment, uh, what shot to take, uh, what pass to make at the right moment. Um, his play selection is extremely solid, and on top of that, he's very impressive defensively. He's been one of my favorite players to watch in his own zone and tracking back off the rush and all of that very good stuff that that you know coaches and scouts look for regularly in in wingers and that's definitely Perron. um the lack of size scares some teams off maybe the top speed as well scares some teams off the lack of physical elements in his game sure but everything he does in terms of what he does with the puck and without it is really impressive to me when it comes to, to puck skills so that's kind of my read on Perron. but outside of that we still have what I would call the biggest glut of middle six upside players I've seen um, that we that we've reported on so far. I mean, especially on the Russian side, I don't know what the Russian scout is is doing, uh, but it's working. Vladimir Gudinin, Alexander Pelovin. Um, we're talking about uh, Gleb Trikozov, who they picked fairly high in last year's draft, uh, the year before rather. Um, you've got a couple goaltenders that they picked up recently. You've got, I mean. It's ridiculous. Alexander Paravalov, Timur Makanov. I mean, their their offs are are getting very very numerous, uh, and they're all very very good. I'm a massive fan of Gleb Trukasov, especially. Um, I found him to be one of the best 
one of the most intelligent players I've ever scouted. Um, on top of being very responsible defensively, very aware of his defensive responsibilities, and capable of it getting involved in playmaking sequences that really impress you. The way that he's able to anticipate lanes, to play area passes to his, to his teammates, it's just... He's such a good connector with one of the highest highest end brains I've ever seen on a prospect. So I'm a big, big fan of that pick. He's probably the guy that I would put next after that top three. Um, For sure. But talk me through some of their other guys, because that's not the end of it at all, is it? Not, not at all. I'm, I'm going to do a bit of a quick fire round here before we get into the defenseman. Uh, yeah. But Felix Ungersorum, Vili Koivinen, Alexander Rikov, and Jackson Blake are four of my favorites in this pool. Uh, Ungersorum uh, has has a special place in my heart. Uh, I think I specifically, but also Dauber as a whole, and you uh, were very very high on him in the draft in his draft year season. I think I believe we had we had him ranked higher than any other public boards. But he is a player who is defined by his uh, intensity, defensive ability, and playmaking, and yeah. he does all three of those things at a very impressive level. Uh, the he played quite a few SHL minutes as well, as one of the youngest draft eligibles in 2023, and yeah. uh, was playing a very steady defensive role in those games. And whenever he played against players in his own age range, whether that be in J20 or at the U18s internationally, his mm -hmm. playmaking really shone. When he was playing with players that are thinking the game at the same pace as he is, he really does excel. And while he does need a little bit more consistent pace in terms of his on puck offensive game. I really think there's a really fun third line player here that that'll just be brewing for a couple seasons. Uh, Vili Koivinen is, is more refined than Ungersorum. He's drafted a couple seasons ago, plays with really good speed and pace and skill. A uh, very, very fun projection. There definitely still has some third line upside, similar projection with Alexander Rikov, who uh, played a very refined defensive game uh, in the VHL playing against pros in Russia last year. And Jackson Blake uh, is just skill incarnate in a really fun NCAA package. So those are some of my personal favorites. Yeah. Absolutely. And we haven't even talked about Scott Morrow and Alexi Haimasalmi, a pair of right-handed <sighs> defensemen that are, that are two of my favorites. So uh, they have so many players to talk about, uh, but we will run out of time if we talk about all of them individually. So uh, we will be moving on to the Arizona Coyotes pool, which is our seventh pool um, in our prospect pool rankings. But before we get into that, though sebastian talk us through our sponsors for today's episode football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a super bowl winner you can get bonus bets every single time they win in the regular season just pick any team to win the super bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory and you can use those on anything ranging from over and unders to spreads to player props and much more so visit fandle.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's fandle.com slash locked on. All right. So moving on to our second segment and uh, we'll be breaking down the uh, Arizona Coyotes prospect pool. Before I get into it, just a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of locked on. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Uh, but moving on to the Arizona Coyotes, they've got a, a very interesting pool because they're pretty much the opposite of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And this is, again, the debate and the dilemma between um, the the value of depth and the value of upside in a prospect pool. Because um, Arizona Coyotes have 
two very, very good prospects at the top of it in Logan Cooley, first and foremost, uh, and Dmitry Simashev, who's also extremely good, uh, and we're both huge fans of his. Um, so we'll start there, and I think that's a fair, fair point to start our discussion here. So for me, Logan Cooley is definitely in the conversation after Connor Bedard, uh, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson as one of the best prospects in the NHL. I mean, I, I can't name you a lot of guys other than that that I would consider in that conversation, right? David Yerichek, I'll throw in there. Matt May Mitchkov. Maybe, yeah. Like, I, I'd, I'd probably have him behind Mitchkov, tied with Yerichek, and ahead of Carlson. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely in the top five. So it's very easy, easy to put them this high just based on that. Um, Logan Cooley's especially improved his game in leaps and bounds since you know, joining uh, Minnesota State in the NCAA. Um, he's been extremely good at kind of wriggling his way out of trouble ever since the his USHL days. But what I really was looking forward to seeing from him is more give-and-go plays, more translatable plays, um, elements of his game where he's, he's finding areas where he can delay and just work his way through rather than just try to squeeze his way through openings that aren't open yet. Um, and that's one thing he's open. He's worked on massively in this game. His skating strides also become a lot more fluid and, and mechanical um, versus before where he was kind of powering his way up the ice. Uh, he's become a lot better at um, tying his movements together as well. Um, just blending his playmaking, his stick handling with his skating in order to become a very, a much more, refined and fluid player on the ice and you can see a major difference in this place so i've been really really impressed with cooley um but for you if we're talking about logan cooley are we talking about a player who's definitely a top liner in the future is that how you see him likely a top liner i'm not quite sure if it's definitely just yet but mm-hmm. uh in all likelihood i would say yes i think yeah. logan cooley brings ex- an exceptional amount of dy- of dynamism and skill and creativity to the mix Mm-hmm. that uh, very few other prospects in the league can match. So yeah. he's a very, very special talent. But Dmitry Simishev is also very fun. He's definitely a tier below Cooley. But yeah. uh, this is a defenseman who, in my mind, has quite clear top pairing potential. Yeah. Uh, he The production was not quite there in his draft year, but that really should not take away from his value as a prospect. On the one hand, his defensive game was the strongest of any defenseman in, in the 2023 draft class in my eyes. Yeah. And uh, that's the same for both his in-zone defending, his gap control, his transition defense. Mm-hmm. He's very refined, excellent stick work. He uses his physicality very effectively to suffocate out plays, uses mm-hmm. the boards as well. Like he's very intelligent in how he also tries to, to stop attacks Uh, coming against him Uh, but Mm -hmm. offensively there have been some really nice flashes he is a great skater and he used that mobility to create offensive opportunities and while it hasn't been the most frequent just yet i really do believe that it can that it it could still come from it from him like he he he's had flashes of sending the puck to the slot off the rush while dangling around of a defender. There are some brilliant flashes here, and yeah. Simashev's offense at its best is phenomenal. It just it hasn't been very frequent, so I'm very curious to see how he develops in the next couple seasons. Because mm-hmm. I think if you give him two more years in Russia, uh, I think he'll be very very ready to come over to the NHL. And might also have learned a lot of offensive skills, not dissimilarly to Alex Nikishin, who we yeah. talked about previously. For sure. After those two, there is a, a decent drop-off in terms of skill. I very much um, like Daniil Boot and uh, Connor Geeky. I just don't think they have uh, 
the certainty and the overall translatability that those first two have. Um, for me, Daniel Boot is one of the most enjoyable players to watch in terms of pure chaos. He's very he's very chaotic and very fun. Very. Uh, but you never know what you're getting out of Daniel Boot on a, on any given game. Some games he looks like a playmaker. Some some games he looks like a goal scorer. Other games he's um, trying to get involved in his defensive zone, not to the most success. Um, and one consistent one's inconsistency within Daniel Boot's game is I'd say that his physical game has really left me wanting more. Um, he's a big guy, but I've seen him get outmuscled regularly by smaller defenders, and that needs to change. He can't rely on his strength alone in order to win battles. Um, at the NHL level, most players are mechanically sound and mechanically gifted in terms of how they get about uh, winning board battles. So it takes a brain and um, a lot of refinement in terms of mechanical tools in order to become a proper board battle winner at the NHL level. So that's kind of the next step in Daniel Boot's progression. And for Connor Geeky, the main issue has always been the skating, um, right? I mean, he's not by any means yeah. the most fluid skater. Um, <laughs> he's he's another he's another big guy who can move the puck very well. He's got a decent shot. He's got some very interesting flashes of playmaking and stick handling as well. Uh, a very skilled player for his size, but he'll need to pay, he'll need to be able to keep up with the NHL game foot speed wise and I'm still work you know waiting for that to happen given what I've seen from him in Winnipeg um but we'll see where it goes from there they've got a couple other names of guys that are fairly interesting Ilya Ilya Lutz is Ilya one of my Lutz. favorites yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his he plays with great physicality and intensity mm-hmm. and while there's very little top six upside there i think you're you're going to get a very effective and reliable and consistent bottom six piece out of him yeah and he has a decent amount of skill too he's, he's a decent enough shooter from medium range and he's also mm-hmm. been learning uh, to improve his one touch playmaking game in the last year and a half uh, which has been uh, yeah. quite enjoyable to watch as well so he's one of my, my favorite german prospects that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit yeah, for sure. And we, we can't mention the Coyotes without mentioning Michael Hraball, who they just added in last year's draft. So that's another player that you might need to keep an eye on as he progresses. Um, but that wraps things up for the Arizona Coyotes and uh, what we have to break down for their team. Now we're going to be moving on to team number six and the Montreal Canadiens team that, you know, in terms of the build of the prospect pool is fairly similar to the Canes. Uh, but we'll get into it uh, on this episode of Lockdown NHL Prospects. All right, so to end things off, we'll be talking about the Montreal Canadiens, a pool that me and Sebastian probably know better than most pools. Uh, we've been following probably. the Habs fairly closely. Yeah, I mean, we're I'm, I'm from Montreal. I'm a Habs fan. Sebastian's from Ottawa. He's a Habs fan. Uh, I'm also so, from Montreal. But, I mean, I live in Ottawa, but originally. I'm from Montreal. Absolutely. Grew up in Montreal. Montreal born and bred. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, not born. So, yeah, let's get right into on. it to Montreal. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about the Montreal Canadiens prospect pool. And I think the, the headliner for me is Lane Hudson, and there's zero doubt about it, right? I mean, of in course. terms of game-making talent, he's he, he's up there with the best in terms of defensemen in the entire NHL. Insanely skilled, insanely gifted. Um, the intelligence, the vision, uh, the, the advanced awareness, the ability to anticipate lanes is just, it's out of this world with Lane Hudson. Um, I really, really like what he brings to the game, and I think it's just a matter of time before he's playing meaningful NHL minutes. Um, he does need to work on his pivoting. He does need to work on his foot speed overall, and I think that the issues with defensive awareness are a bit overblown. Um, I don't think the issue is that he doesn't know what's going on defensively and what he needs to do. It's just that his body can't get to those lanes fast enough because he lacks the proper mechanics skating wise in order to get there on time right i mean i don't from what i've seen i don't think lane hudson has a concern with defensive awareness 
I agree. I think Lynn Hudson's one of the smartest prospects in the NHL right now. And while it is most on display offensively, where he is truly in his element, uh, he is one of the most dynamic, shifty, adaptable players that we've seen among blue liners in the past five years. And uh, he's one of my personal favorites. I know he's one of your personal favorites. I think he's one of many people's personal favorites at this point. Uh, He's a very, very fun player. And uh, in my view, has very impressive upside, I think. There is a world where he becomes a 70 point a season defenseman on a first pairing. And while there are definitely some hurdles along the way, that's that's not going to be a sure thing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There is significant upside. And I think if he doesn't hit that level, he will be a really, really high end offensive defenseman in in a top four nonetheless. So his his progression the last year has, has surprised even me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, I think he's, he's the gem in this halves pool at the moment. 100%. 100%. And it's 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 insane. I mean, 17 awards and accolades last year, including the scoring leader of his entire division, a very tough division in the hockey East division in the NCAA. As a um, freshman defenseman. As a freshman defenseman. We've never seen that before, quite literally. So it's, it's just, it's insanity. But moving on to another defenseman in the pool uh, from Montreal, David Reinbacher is uh, their addition from the, uh, the, from this recent draft, a fifth overall. I'm still mitigated on whether that was the right pick. I understand why they made the pick, and I've I've warmed up a bit to the idea of David Rombacher potentially becoming a number two, number three defenseman. Um, I really like the skating. I really like the defensive game. Um, the gap control, the awareness, really solid. On the puck, offensively, it's a struggle, and you can see it still today. Um, having watched rookie camp, I've having watched him on the same pair as Lane Hudson. It was obvious that Lane Hudson was the one enticing him to activate off the puck. But if you put them in opposite scenarios where Hudson Hudson's activating and Reinbacher's the one having to stick handle himself out of trouble and find the lane very quickly to make the pass, the same play doesn't happen, right? I mean, there's a lot to love about Reinbacher's game, but for me, the main issue is the stick handling. That's that's definitely the issue here with Reinbacher. Locked top hand, having trouble, um, you know, kind of manipulating his way out of trouble, tends to play pucks and accelerate pucks through lanes in order to kind of get rid of the puck and making the puck someone else's problem rather than solving it himself and then delegating. Um, so that's mainly kind of my read on Reinbacher so far, but he is 18. He has a bunch of time to develop. So the runway is pretty decent, right? For sure. I, I still think that he projects quite similarly to Caden Gooley. I think both yeah. are high likelihood number three defensemen who would need to, to really develop particular areas in their game by by a fair margin in order to unlock real like true top pairing potential with Caden Gooley mm-hmm. it's still his his on puck game as well but more as a passer and uh it being composed in possession and with Reinbacher it is about the handling skill and problem solving with his hands because he's able to mm-hmm. skate around opponents on the very large ice surface in Switzerland and he won't have the same space in the NHL. And I think yeah. that his handling skill will uh, be put in the spotlight. So that's something that I think that the Habs and Reinbacher should start working on immediately. But if he can solve that and, and really work on it to the point where it's not at all an NHL weakness, mm-hmm. then I can see a, a world where Reinbacher can become a really, very, very, very effective number two defenseman. As of right Absolutely. now, I'm still more comfortable with a number three project- projection. But 
uh, he he's a very good player and the draft is over. I think whether or not it was the right pick is, is kind of in the rear view mirror at this point, but he's yep. an excellent prospect and the Habs are lucky to have him in their system. For sure. Um, for me, after that, there's a steep drop off now that Yuri Sofkovsky is considered a graduate. Um, you know, we, we talk about some of the guys they have in here at D is pretty decent. They have Adam Engstrom, which probably in, in, the, the next couple of guys that we would mention if we're ranking these guys. Uh, Engstrom has developed his game in leaps and bounds. He's been very, very impressive to the point where, as we mentioned on a, an earlier crossover episode with Laura from uh, Locked on Canadians, he, I mean, an opposing coach literally said to the, to, to, to the press, to the press that he had no solution to Adam Engstrom, that he was having to adapt his systems and was having trouble doing it against a rookie SHL defenseman. It's just absurdity. Um, so just seeing him improve his game in terms of the dare that he shows, because in his draft year, he was playing behind Cali Adelius, who was the more offensive element on that pair. And Engstrom was put in a situation where he had to be reserved. He had to, to hold back um, and, and show a bit more um, kind of prudence uh, in his game overall. But he was just unleashed with Rogla in the SHL. Um, he's been playing extremely high octane and, and extremely, you know, daring hockey in terms of what he brings to the game. And that's been really impressive to watch. Um, outside of Adam Engstrom, we've also got Logan Mayu, who we do need to mention. Um, Mayu has one of the strongest shots outside of the NHL, uh, in my opinion. He's, he's up there with the, the hardest shots I've seen in a very long time. Um, and he has improved his offensive decision-making a tiny bit. He's become a bit more comfortable delegating, finding new pockets of space to work with in the offensive zone, that kind of thing. But the main issue with me has always been the dis- defensive decision-making, and I-, I don't think that's gone anywhere in terms of progression recently. He's still the same kind of uh, wait wait and see kind of defenseman. Either that or he's just jumping into uh, into hits and just leaving his defense partner completely out to dry. So it's just the decision-making needs to come a long way with Mayu. I don't know if you've seen anything more recently because you have been our OHL scout for Dauber, and I have watched him, but not as much as last year. So I don't know if you've seen any progression on that side at all. I mean, I I watched a fair bit of London last year, so I I watched him in passing more than I watched him specifically. But Mm. whenever I was watching guys like Oliver Bonk and more recently when I've gone watch Sam Dickinson, Mm -hmm. I have seen quite a bit of Mayu, and... I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the offensive tools are really intriguing. There's a very, very hard shot. His handling skill is quite clearly above average for mm-hmm. skaters in general, let alone defensemen. But there's a steep drop-off in beyond that. I think he's a decent passer when he sees lanes, but he's not a playmaker in terms of creating lanes and finding the hidden ones uh yeah or, or out waiting or delaying with the puck he he does what he sees he can do and he does it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that that makes his offensive game a little bit more simplistic than it would need to be in my mind in order to make a top four offensive defenseman projection quite likely yeah. whereas without mm-hmm. that and I, I haven't seen that progress in the last couple seasons i think he tops that as a bottom pairing offensive guy who could be a trigger man in the second power play uh, and can does have good enough hands to when he has space to work with, he can exploit it, which is I think why the power play is always where he shines in the OHL. And I think the same will be true in pro hockey. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, there's just a massive glut of depth uh, in the Metropolitan. That's what puts him this high in our in our uh, rankings. It's just 
just to rattle off some names because we'll run out of time at this point. I mean, Sean Farrell, Oliver Kapanen, o- 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 Owen Beck, Riley Kidney, Joshua Roy, Philip Meshar, um, Blake Biondi can even be in that conversation. Um, Vincent you know, Rohr, one Sam, of my favorites. Vincent Rohr is, is one of my favorites as well. He's just so fun to watch with the intensity of the rest of the game. It's, it's and your just absolute so fun. favorite too. Is that DC Manu? <laughs> Your boy. Absolutely. I, I, I want to talk about him so bad, but we'll be here all day. Um, <laughs> just to sum him up, he's a tree stump with the energy of a honey badger and a very good and surprisingly good playmaking. Uh, but then you got Emil Heinemann, who's really come a long way in terms of his uh, play in the AHL. It's been really impressive to watch. Um, Scored a lot of goals. We're not even done, honestly. Yeah, and they've even got a decent pair of, of goaltending prospects in Jacob Fowler and Jakob Dobesh. So it's just, there's just so much to like in terms of the amount of depth that they have in the system overall. We haven't even mentioned uh, William Trudeau, who's also looked really good in his AHL tape so far. Um, so yeah, it's just, there's a lot to really, really like in terms of what they've got in the system here um, and, and what Montreal's got going on. I'm still looking to see when they add that true top line piece because they don't seem to have it in the NHL outside of Cole Caulfield um, and, and maybe Nick Suzuki. Uh, and they don't necessarily have it in the pool either. So it's just it's necessary if you want to be a contender to have a true bona fide franchise defining first line player, right? Like I mean, of course. I, when's the last time a team's won a cup without one? So that's still in, in progress. And I think a lot of Habs fans are impatient to see when that happens. Um, but next year's draft, if it is another tank year for Montreal, could be an opportunity for that. Uh, with the likes of Ivan Demidov and Michael Celebrini uh, and a lot more going on there. So We'll see where that goes, but that wraps things up for today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment telling us what, which prospect is your favorite, um, especially if you're from uh, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. I know you guys are very uh, numerous and uh, a lot to follow this podcast, so leave us a comment saying who you would have liked us to talk about because we did run out of time. Um, and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. We've got all your updates on what's going on in the sporting world. And make sure to tune in for our episodes next week. We'll be back with three more episodes, including rounding out the top five of our prospect pool and breaking down the prospects from uh, every team in that top five. So this has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.